The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. How many of you guys have seen the movie Up Before? Okay, that's just obviously the beginning of the movie, but I love that little dude putting the goggles on. And when Charles Munt says, you know, adventure is out there. And, you know, as you watch the movie, if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, if you watch the movie, Carl Fredrickson in that picture there is a young guy, and it kind of follows a progression of him uh, meeting a girl and, 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 you know, getting married and going through all these things in a montage real quick. But the whole deal is he meets this girl with the same spirit of adventure, and they're excited about, you know, their future and where they're going to go. And they share this passion to go to Paradise Falls because Charles Muntz is this adventurer that loves getting out there. And, and so they put this jar together, save up money in this jar, and their goal is to get out there and see the world and, and travel and stuff. And, and little by little, they run into certain snags that all of a sudden they got to break the jar because they get a flat tire and they got to buy a new tire for their car. Or at one point, a tree falls in a storm and it hits their house. They got to break the jar and, and, and fix their house. And over and over that happens, but they're trying to save and they're buying journaling books and they talk about what it would be like. And at the beginning of the movie, that theme runs through the rest of the movie. Adventure is out there. How many of us have experienced that we want to do things, we want to go places, we have certain plans, but then reality kicks in and we got to buy new tires for the car, which is always exciting. You know, something happens and you're not able to get to where you want to go, but you have this dream of living an adventure. Anybody with me on that conversation? Yeah, a bunch of us are there. Well, today is Outreach Sunday, and we're going to share this passion for adventure that I believe God puts in all of our hearts, that many of us in this room would say we're followers of Christ, you know, and that God has an adventure for us, that it is about getting out of our comfort zone. It is about what Christ has done in our lives and how we have this passion for the world to see who Christ is. At the Grove Church, we say it this way, love God, connect with each other, serve all. And that's our purpose statement. That's our mission statement. That's our vision statement. We want people to realize there's a God who loves them like crazy and he wants desperately for them to love him back, as well as that building bridges and connecting with others and literally serving all. And it has everything to do with one of the stories we see in the Bible. And it's out of Matthew chapter 20. And I'm going to take a few minutes to share this. And then we're going to talk about this summer of outreach that we've been experiencing, um, three different elements of that. But Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 20, says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her son and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it that you want? Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. This is a picture of Jesus, and there's literally the sons of thunder, James and John, and their mother dragging them up to Jesus, like, come on. And you can imagine, like, Mom, you're going to embarrass us in front of the Lord. And they're like, come on, come with me. And, and, and she kneels before Jesus and asks that someday, Lord, when you're in this kingdom, you keep talking about someday, can my sons that are your disciples, they're the sons of thunder, James, you know, can they sit in these prominent places someday in your kingdom? Now, Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. 
And he brings up this idea, can they drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And like, sure. I mean, you want to share some wine together? Want some water? I mean, what is it? You could share that. Great. And Jesus is not talking about sharing a beverage. Jesus is talking about, can they go through the same persecution for the kingdom that I'm going to go through? And they flippantly go, sure we can. And Jesus is like, oh, you will. That's coming. So, so this goes on, and, and, and then the ten other disciples hear about this conversation, and it says that they were indignant. They were frustrated and angry. Maybe that the, the, you had your mom come, you know, you had her beg for this kind of thing, or why didn't we do this first? We should have jumped in line before you did. But Jesus sees this moment as a teaching opportunity for the ages. This lesson he's about to bring up applies to the disciples 2,000 years ago, but this is a lesson that, that is appropriate for you and for me. If you call yourself a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Christ, this applies to you just as much as it applied to the original 12 disciples. Jesus called them together, Matthew 20, verse 25, and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. In other words, Jesus is saying, in every other institution, kingdom, whatever, it's all about climbing the ladder of success. It's all about reaching a pinnacle. It's all about being on a pedestal and having all these people look up to you and worship and marvel at your leadership. Jesus says, that's all of the institutions in the world. That's typically how they operate. And then Jesus says this, not so with you. Everybody say, not so with you. So again, this is a lesson he's teaching all of us, not just the disciples. He's saying this to you and to me, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great must become your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And then he, then he brings it home. Just as, talking of himself, the Son of Man, he says, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Everybody say serve. Everybody say give. The design, the pattern that you and I have because we say we're followers of Christ. It would be easy to interpret you and I being a follower of Christ as I believe that Jesus paid the price on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He died so I could be forgiven of all of my sin, all the mistakes I've ever made and ever will make. I can't find forgiveness through myself or my good works. It's through Jesus and him going to the cross, paying the price on the cross, dying on the cross, being buried on the third day, raising from the dead, defeating the final enemy, Paul says, which is death, and then appearing to the disciples. That work right there is amazing. I said, I believe that. I've invited Jesus into my heart. I've been forgiven of my sins. I was even baptized, whatever. That's great. But it doesn't stop there. Because the point of that message is a huge deal, but the point of that message is not just for us to receive it, but for us to live it out for a world that desperately needs it. See, we say all the time in our code, the church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. 
We talk about how all the time we're not gathered here to play church, to go about the rest of our week. We're gathered in an environment like this to be built up, to be sharpened, to be challenged, to allow the work of the Holy Spirit to convict and teach and work in us so that we can go out into the world that you and I are a part of and help people see Jesus. So it's not just receiving the message. That's huge. I believe it's the most important decision you could ever make to invite Jesus into your world because of what he did on the cross for you and for me. But it doesn't end there. The whole goal is to help people see Jesus. And the example he gives us is that you and I serve, you and I give of ourselves to help others see who he is. And that's really the culmination of something like Outreach Sunday because this summer we've had three different opportunities right in a row to reach out and help this world see who Jesus is through acts of service. In, in uh, June, on June uh, 20th, we had our Panama teams go out. We had two different teams go on a mission trip to Panama. We've done construction there a few times already. This is the first year that we said yes to a medical team. We have had nurses and doctors in our church go, hey, would you ever consider doing a medical trip? And we're like, well, sure, we could put that together. So we did. So we had two teams go out on June 20th and they went to Panama and it was awesome to see the camaraderie and, and what they were able to build a bunch of working with block and creating these concrete bond beams that kind of puts it all together. And our team was able to finish two entire schoolrooms from floor all the way up to the ceiling with block work so that they can stucco, lay tile and create the environment for classrooms to be finished so more kids can be part of these schools where, the, where, where they will learn reading, writing and arithmetic, but also it'll, they'll learn in a Christ-centered environment. So it was awesome to see the, the construction team being able to do that and build that. And, and they had a great time. And again, if you saw some of the posts on our Grove page or you know on some of their pages, if you knew some of them personally, super fun to see. And, and another thing I love is that, um, you know, not only you see the camaraderie and what gets done, but the medical team was able to see, I think the number was 657 patients through the clinic in a week. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, you can give a hand for that. Absolutely incredible, all of the work to, to see the patients, and a lot of them are from the school, and some of them from the community. They're getting checkups, and, and some of them are like, do you want prayer at all? Can we pray for you? And hundreds of people are prayed for through these clinics, and it's absolutely in cool, uh, incredible to see. They, they brought little Nikki along, which was a, a T-Rex dinosaur, because I wasn't on the team. They're like, we need, we need Nikki, apparently. Don't call me that, please. But anyway, um, they brought a dinosaur. Now, the reason they chose a T-Rex is because the joke when I go on these trips is, oh, Nick will help you, but, but it's not because I'm a, you know, a T-Rex, you know, vicious. It's because T-Rex has short arms. And that make, you're all like, his arms aren't that. Anyway, yeah. By the way, all the people on those teams kicked out of this church. So just so you know, just <laughs> thought you should know that. Just kidding. Anyway, um, but one of the things I love is that we say all the time, hey, when you hear about trips coming up, just come to an orientation, an informational meeting, and hear. Hear about what's coming up. And you're going to hear the goal is by the end of this month to have our trips announced for 2019, where we're going and what's going on. But it's cool to see how, how God puts the right people in the right places and in ways that only he could orchestrate as long as people are willing to go, hey, Lord, you want me to go? I'm believing I'm going to step out and go. And um, one of the things that happened, Roger, who's our, our doctor on the team, um, him and his wife, Ian Chi, came on this trip and, and did a great job. But Ian Chi had a, a pretty cool experience. I want to have her come up here and, and share. So she's going to make 
her way up. And like I said, um, this is one of those unique stories from the Panama team that, that to me kind of blows my mind that you're going to hear a little bit about geography and about China and Panama and how that all worked together. But come on up here and um, why don't you guys give Ian Chi a hand. Um, so like I said, this is Ian Chi and, and Roger's over here and they're married and um, they went on this trip and um, they had this experience that I want you to share about kind of in general what happened, but specifically with this certain family that you met that once again, like this couldn't happen any other way except your background and, and you know, being, you know, bilingual and stuff like that. So share with us a little bit about kind of your experience. I'm trilingual. Trilingual. I'm so sorry. Uh, well, I just want to brag about being monolingual. So anyway, just kidding. I'm just joking. Anyway, so trilingual. I'm sorry. Okay. Jump on up here and share. So um, I know most of you saw me know that I'm going on construction team because I'm very strong. I can live like 80 pounds and stuff. So I was there and I was on a construction team. And um, so actually the night before, I was telling my husband that after shower, my hair looks so perfect. I don't want to do construction the next day. <laughs> and God was eavesdropping on us. So the next day, two hours into the construction, my husband came and got me. He said that, oh, we have this 16-year-old girl who is first grader, doesn't speak Spanish, and she only speaks English. So Roger's like, come and talk to her. I'm like, what am I going to talk to her? He's like, share the gospel. I was like, uh, yeah, um, I'm not good at sharing gospel in Mandarin because I learned, I became a Christian with English as my first language in the Bible. So I went down there and I started talking to her and she was sharing with me how they moved from China two months ago and I was just pray and then just share the gospel with her. And she told me that I'm a Buddhist and I believe in reincarnation. So I came from a Buddhist background. So I understood the reincarnation part. So I just briefly state a few facts about why I became a Christian and I just let it go as that because I don't think she was ready. And she told me she has another younger sister who is 12 years old. And so I sat around and the next group of the student came in. Her sister came in. She's also in the first grader and she's a lot quieter. So I started talking to her and she, says, she started telling me what actually is going on. So they moved to Panama two months ago and their parents are divorced. She was raised by the mother in China and the older sister was raised by the grandma as well in China. And the parents decided that they should move to Panama because it's a better life. So the two sisters and the grandma moved to China, but the mom stayed back because they are divorced. The father has another wife with two other children. So she moved all the way from China to Panama and living with the father and the stepmother and the two stepbrothers. And the grandma, she barely knows, I guess. So she was in kind of a bad place because she wasn't happy. She doesn't like the food. She doesn't speak the language. She's stuck in first grade. And then she was sharing with me where she has a headache since she was nine years old. So it's been going on for three years. So I took her to Becky to pray with her and I translated her prayers. And after we prayed with her, she kind of looked at us like no one ever prayed with her before. So she's kind of maybe a little curious about who God is. So then Doc Roger saw her and then talked to her and we asked her to come back in the afternoon so that we can see what medication she's taking and the adults there so that we can discuss her medical condition. So I went back to the construction and 30 minutes later, Pam came and got me because she was in pain. Her head hurt so badly and she was crying and no one understood her. So we 
call the father to ask for the father to come because usually the stepmother take care of everything for them because the father doesn't really speak Spanish. So the father came and then we talked to him and discussed with him about her medical conditions and kind of gave them some relief and then we gave him some medication. The father wanted to pay us. So we explained that this is free and who we are and we are a church and reach out to him. And he started telling us all about the rest of the families and all their medical needs. So then Roger was there with us. Then we gave them a bunch of other medications and write down instructions and gave it to them. And after they left, the pastor's wife came and talked to me, telling me that they have a youth program at Friday night, that they wanted her to come and they will reach out to them. So that was like five to seven minutes after they left. So we were like, oh, no, we need to catch them. So the father is there and he can hear it. He can give his approval. So we ran out there. Thank God they were still standing right there. They haven't left. So I translated the whole thing to her. And she was like, as soon as we finished talking, she said, I'm coming. Like She just wanted to be there with people who are her age, I guess. So then we bought her some Chinese-Spanish Bible. And then they started coming on Friday night. Actually, the church reached out to the local Chinese church. The local Chinese church went to her father's shop and evangelized to the whole family. And um, they are the local Chinese church is picking them up this Sunday to take them to the church. Once again, I just I just love that you know you you meet you're in Panama and you meet a family that came from China and the kids only know Mandarin Chinese and and I I don't know a lot of people that, that speak that language. And okay, and Roger, but again, like to have them be on this trip and to encounter a couple of kids that are part of this school that, that are so confused because of the language issue and you guys are able to be there to provide like help and solution and, and that connection also to the church. Again, I go just to go, man, God, you're working miracles here that only you could put together. So give, give a hand to Ian Chi. And again, thank you so much for being a part of that team. It was awesome. And, and that's, again, where I'm saying you never know how God can use you. We would never have even considered the idea that in Panama, you have a family from China showing up with this language issue, and yet there they are able to provide help simply because they said, you know what, we believe God would want us to go, and we're going to step out, and would never consider that God would use them that way in Panama, and yet that is exactly what happened. I just, I just love that. So the Panama team, um, they got back, and, and nine days later, um, the Dominican Republic team, we ended up heading down to the Dominican Dominican Republic. And our whole goal was to head down there. We knew we were going to work on a school as a construction team, but we had heard that there wasn't going to be block work. That, that, and we're so used to doing block work and concrete stuff that we're like, hey, whatever, man. We, we always say one of the mantras, you know, it's not a beatitude in the Bible, but we use it. Blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. We say that all the time on missions trips because it's like, you never know kind of how it's going to go. And we just kind of roll with the punches and, 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 and make things happen when things aren't always clear and stuff. And so we get there and there's all of these supplies on the main floor and we're looking to build way up on the third story. And what they want is a bunch of tile work done and, and a roof built. And we're like, yeah, totally. I mean, we're on that. We have no idea what's up. And one of the coolest things to me was that two of the Panamanians that help us every single year on different portions of the projects in Panama, 
Panama, actually flew out to Panama, or flew from Panama, excuse me, to the DR to help us. And one of them, it was the first time they had ever left the country of Panama. And it was so cool. His name is Luis, and, and he's there on the left. That's his first time at an airport, first time on an airplane, first time in another country. And here he is at one point at dinner on day one with us, and he's got his family on his phone. And he's like, I'm in another country. And they're all like giggling and laughing about it. And they're like showing us. I'm like, hi, hi. You know, it was just so, so cool that his first trip out of Panama was on a missions trip to the Dominican Republic to help us out figuring out how this whole roof structure is going to be built. And so that was an answer to prayer. And then on top of that, we had um, every team member obviously has their place. And it's like, man, we need people that are like helping clean and deliver supplies and do all kinds of stuff. But one of the things that was pretty cool is that Cody Hamblin was, was on our team and he knows how to weld amazingly. And he was welding every single day all day long because you got to do a ton of welding to put up these giant beams and all the brackets and all this stuff. And so that was definitely another answer to prayer going, thank God that Cody was there. And then we had a, a few guys that aren't really afraid of heights and, and we're up on a third story and we're on the, the, the roof structure trying to create a roof because when we got there, the only thing sticking up from the third story was, was um, these pillars of concrete with rebar that went higher. And we're like, we're supposed to build a roof here. There's nothing. And so um, we, we ended up putting a roof together, but we had guys like uh, John Resitar and DJ Nines that weren't afraid of heights at all. Jose from Panama, not afraid of heights at all. And they're up there working way up high and stuff like that. And it was, again, so cool to see that we had the right people in the right place. Well, I'm going to have DJ come up. And part of this trip was not just the construction side of it, um, which is awesome, but in the Dominican Republic, baseball is huge. It's bigger than soccer, bigger than basketball, bigger than any other sport is baseball. In fact, one of the guys that we know said that there are over 90 major league baseball players in the majors in America from the Dominican Republic. And so it was cool to have DJ because DJ uh, does love baseball. He's going to talk about that a little bit, but we actually were able to put together because you asked, we, we put together a baseball clinic one of those days. This is DJ Nines. And uh, I love DJ here. He's got his Father's Day gift from his kids. And if you're looking at it going, what is on there? Um, it's actually from the movie, The Sandlot, Wendy Peppercorn and The Beast all over his shirt. So fits in from last week about talking about The Sandlot. But um, DJ during the, 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 um, the week when we first got there, the missionary asked me, um, hey, I know DJ has some baseball background. Do you think he would be willing to share like a testimony? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'll go ask him. And so I'm like, I don't know. Uh, hey, DJ, the missionary wants to know if you'd share during the baseball clinic. And he's like, okay, cool. And um, I'm like, all right, great. And that was it. Well, uh, as days go by, I keep thinking like, maybe I should talk to him about like, what are you going to share? What are you thinking? And I'm like, you know, he, he seems fine. He seems comfortable enough. I'm just going to let it go. Hopefully it goes well. And, um, and I'll let DJ kind of share the rest and then I'll, then I'll kind of recap that. But um, this is DJ. Why don't you give him a hand? Um, did a great job. And I was really proud of him. So tell us again, your experience kind of overall with missions, with the trip, and then specifically kind of the baseball portion of it, because it was awesome. All right. Well, uh, I, sh I shared this with the last couple groups or services. Uh, Nick spoke about the heights uh, that we were working out over. And uh, one way to quickly get over your fear of heights, if you have one, is to make sure when you're suspended 60 feet over concrete, the pastor's out there with you <laughs> because the Lord ain't going to take him down. So you're, pre you're pretty safe. But I also <laughs> made sure my wife had paid our life insurance. So, uh, so... Uh, Nick mentioned I, I have some baseball background. Um, I had a passion, or I have a passion for the game of baseball. Uh, I got the opportunity to play minor league baseball 
Um, and uh, when I was playing minor league baseball, I developed many relationships and, and great friendships with uh, people from the Dominican Republic. So uh, they have a special place in my heart. So when Nick came to me and asked me if I'd like to go uh, on this trip, my answer was yes. Yeah, I'll talk to my wife, but yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, then I pitched him the idea, you know, baseball's huge down there. It's, it's one of their main uh, ways that they can get out of the poverty that they're, they're imprisoned with. And, um, you know, is there, is there some way that we could, we could do some sort of baseball outreach? And so we started planning and we started asking for donations and people donated all kinds of gear and equipment. We took, uh, took a couple hundred pounds of baseball equipment down with us probably 250 baseballs that we were able to give out to kids. And uh, we were really able to use that as an opportunity uh, to show the love of Christ. So a little bit about the baseball outreach. We worked with the local missionary, Chad, down there. And the day we're going, we said, Chad, what can we expect? I don't know. I talked to a couple coaches, and we're thinking somewhere between 30 and maybe as many as 100 kids. Wow, that's a lot, but at least we'll have enough equipment and stuff for them. So we're traveling to the field. We're going through a very poor part of uh, the city of Santiago. And all of a sudden, we happen upon this big, beautiful baseball stadium, which didn't fit the surroundings at all, but kind of speaks to uh, the importance of the game of baseball in that community. And we, as we're approaching, this field is covered in kids. There's kids in every corner of this field playing baseball. And we're starting to get a little overwhelmed because this is a lot more than 100 kids. This might be like 200 kids, 250 kids. What are we going to do? Um, so uh, we were flexible, as the mantra goes. Mm, um, and uh, we divided up into groups. Uh, we just had a great time playing with the kids, uh, just getting to have a lot of fun uh, and enjoy the game with them. Uh, towards the end, there's some, oh, here's some pictures of the kids. There's Cody and John. Uh, and then one of the local uh, kids from the church. Uh, at the end, we gathered all the kids together, um, and the local church uh, did a presentation of some music uh, for them. And then I got a chance to speak to them and and just share share a testimony. And um, the the point of my testimony was this: is that I shared in common with them uh, a love for the game of baseball, and my my desire all my life was to make it to the major leagues. But I fell short of that, and I was never good enough to make the major leagues. But what I was good enough for was the love of Jesus, and they needed to know that too. And that although baseball ends, and it will end for every one of those kids at some point in their life, the kingdom of God never ends. It's everlasting. And so it was really neat to get to share that uh, with them, and uh, we hopefully that, that hit home with some of them. Um, as far as construction goes, uh, what an amazing experience. Uh, going from scratch, like Nick said, just, just rebar to, to this whole completed roof structure and everybody just falling into place and finding a role that fit them. And, you know, every single person was, was extremely necessary to make this, make this work. So um, for those of you that, that prayed for us while we were there, uh, for our safe return and for safety there. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, those prayers were definitely felt. Um, for those that you know donated baseball equipment, thank you. It's being enjoyed by, by many kids. Um, so yeah. thanks.
Yeah. Give him a hand, you guys. Appreciate it, DJ. <laughs> you know, I, I just want to go back to you and reiterate again. I know you just heard it, but um, to have a guy like DJ say yes to going and go, hey, can we do a baseball thing, which we never planned on doing, um, and then to see it come together, to see us be able to be with the kids and stuff, but then for DJ to share his story, I am not exaggerating when I, I would put it this way. It'd be like you know a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth. Like it, it was such a win to have him share and the way that he shared and the way that you said what you said. Baseball resonates so much with all of those kids out there on that field. And then again, there's 200, maybe 250 kids all gathered. And as DJ shared, I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. And um, God is so good because only DJ had the specific story of, of getting to know a bunch of the Dominicans that are playing in the majors now and, and, and the relationship and all that kind of stuff. But again, just that connection that baseball for everybody ends, but Jesus is there. And it was so, so powerful. And I appreciate it. And he had them. I mean, one of the coaches had said, you don't see 200 or 250 kids captivated like this, except in this moment in time. It was pretty amazing. Um, one of the things I loved about it was uh, DJ. At one point, one of the kids at the end, we gave all these balls out, brand new baseballs or leather. They're real nice. We gave them out to all the kids. And all of a sudden, one of the kids comes up and goes, you know, would you sign my ball? And pretty soon, man, there's like a whole horde of kids lined up for DJ to sign the ball. So DJ was famous the rest of the trip. And we just kept saying, oh, a famous guy doesn't do things like like this. You know, like, why don't you go wait in your trailer and we'll come back and get you here in a little bit and stuff. But, um, but again, had a great time in the Dominican Republic. And, um, and like I, I might have I mentioned this already, but as we navigate through August, what I want to be able to do is announce the trips that are coming up in 2019. And I would encourage any of you that if you have the physical ability to be part of these trips, again, maybe it might be medical, it might be construction. We're actually talking with the missionary down in, in the Dominican Republic right now about possibly having a trip that's going to be a baseball clinic two times a day for an entire week and how that might look and if that might interest you. Um, but you're going to hear about more trips coming up. Just come to an orientation meeting and hear a little more and then just go, God, would you want me to go? And if you feel like, yeah, hey, let's take that step. We would love to get you on one of these trips. Again, there's all kinds of trips, but I think it'd be awesome. So um, we got back and, and we got back from the Dominican Republic and nine days later, iHeart started. And so um, iHeart this week, some of you that don't know, maybe iHeart is a five-day outreach that we've done the last bunch of years. And we asked people to take a half a day, to take a whole day, to take you know a bunch of days and, and be a part of, of service projects that happen all over our county from Marysville to, you know, Lake Stevens, Stanwood, all this kind of stuff. And there's great projects that happen day after day. We connect with school districts and city governments, parks and rec departments and go, what do you have as projects that maybe you can't finish or maybe we could help you with? And it's, you know, painting portables, delaying mulch to, you know, doing some repair to like dugouts, different kind of things like that. And every single year, it's amazing to see how many people rally, to see how much work that gets done. As we wrap up this portion of the service here in a little bit, you're going to see a video with some of the before and after pictures. Pictures, and it's absolutely stunning. Um, I heart. I Heart Go is a block party that happened every single day at elementary schools in Marysville, as well as out at the Tulalip Boys and Girls Club and in Snohomish. And it's incredible to see all the kids rally to do setup, to put on a giant party for an area of the community, to put it all back in trailers and tow it all back here after the end of the every day. It's, it's really cool to see all that happens. And um, I just want to say thank you to all of those that have been a part of I Heart. And, and I want to have um, Bonnie Herzog's going to come up and I want to have her share, but um, she's been a part of I Heart the last couple of years. 
And she does such an incredible job and has a great attitude. But I want you to share a little bit, kind of from your perspective, that, that when you sign up for iHeart, maybe you're excited, maybe you're nervous, but you always do such a, a great job. But we want to hear from you how you're processing. Here comes iHeart. Here's day one, day two, day three, um, and, and what you experience. So tell us from your perspective. And well, why don't we start with this? Give it up for Bonnie. She's awesome. Um, how do I process? I don't know. I just have to wake up and go because I served on registration team every morning and then I served on uh, Curtis's team with the parks the rest of the day unless I was loaned out to another team. Um, and I think for me, what, what I really learned from this is we got to hear some really cool stories from people about the way God worked in their lives and the way he affirmed their their time here at iHeart. And so when Jen asked me to speak today, I was like, I'm going to say no, because I don't have a cool story that I got out of this. And um, then God was like, no, you're going to have to talk. Said, okay. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so basically, my, my biggest takeaway is serving is not always about the story. It's about serving because it's what God requires of us. And Sometimes you're not going to feel like you have this life-changing moment, but you need to serve because it's what God has asked of us. And that's enough for me. So, yeah. And that's a great portion of, of, like you said, God wants us to, God, God desires us to do that, but, but it's also what he does when you take those steps. So watching you, and like I said, you do check in and you're in that area as people are coming in the mornings, but then you're also out on sites. Like yesterday, when I got to visit over at, at Mother Nature's window, there you were with a couple of individuals and, and you were doing some serious physical labor. You're hauling branches and stuff like that. But tell us a little bit about that portion of the experience when you're out on sites and, and kind of how that goes and, and what you're processing. I do. I mean, I don't really have a process. I just sort of nose to the, the grind and go because it, for me, it's, it, it's just about being able to do something that is helping other people. And right. Mother Nature's window is, is not even open to the public at this point, but yeah. to be able to, you know, tear down trees and, and clear a parking lot for something that's going to happen three years out. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just cool to know that you're a part of something, right. something that people m- may not even recognize. And I right. think that's, that's how I serve best is I really don't like this situation where mm-hmm. I'm in the front. Um, yeah. I like to be the person in the background facilitating that people don't even really realize is there. Right. And that obviously that's part of the body of Christ. Even Paul says there are certain groups and parts that are public and certain parts that aren't so public. But what I love is your attitude. What I love is that you're a fun team member to work with. People love being a part of the teams that you're a part of and you do a great job and you may not like being in public. So I'll just hide her for a second. Um, but um, no, but honestly, when you're out there and, and what happens with people that are connected with you on their teams, you make it a better experience. And so once again, as we walk in obedience to what God asks, it becomes something that's a blessing to other people. So give it up for Bonnie. I'm not going to make her stand up here any longer, but, uh, but you're incredible. Let, let me just share with you some of the stats. And, um, and, and again, we're going to wrap this up here uh, in, in just a couple of moments. But um, some of the stats that we, we try to take stats and see kind of what gets done, what gets accomplished and stuff like that. The first stat, by the way, when I received this email last night on the recap of it all, the first stat says this, the runners cracked one windshield needs to be replaced. 
that's not a great way to begin with the stats. But anyways, um, registration went through two full felt pens, which may mean nothing to you, but having so many people show up every single day meant that that's why that happened. Um, Marysville schools, uh, their site, especially over at Pinewood, went through over 100 gallons of paint on seven portables. And if you drive, yeah, you can clap for that. If you drive over 51st and 84th in Marysville, Pinewood Elementary, on the corner, all of those portables went from looking like, okay, those are portables, to like, wow, those look absolutely amazing. And the work that got done, the team leadership over there was incredible. So that was so fun to see. The Arlington team, they worked it over at the Arlington Boys and Girls Club. Um, they cleaned out an entire storage area that was just piled up in a big mess to a point where it was organized. They built shelves from nothing. Built shelves had stuff organized on certain shelves. There was hundreds of ducks for the duck dash that they do, 200 uh, baseballs, organized 300 sports balls, thousands of pounds of equipment, 100 pounds of sports cards. Again, they did a great job building and organizing that whole shed area as well as an an area inside their main building. Lake Stevens, this crew was part of um, creating trails for the Frisbee golf over there. And they had a mound, I mean, taller than people, like a mound, you know, huge of mulch that they had to take by wheelbarrow to these trails that were over a quarter mile away from the mulch. And I'm like, this is incredible. And they were wheeling it with great attitudes and it's up and down hills and over roots and all this stuff. And they did an incredible job making that happen with 55 yards of mulch. Um, Tulalip, we had a site out there where they were trying to restore an area. It's kind of a healing area um, where the trails were overgrown and, and things were just super, super messy. And they went out there and did a great job clearing that out and putting some gravel in. But the other part that was cool is that they had some individuals from the Tlaib tribes be a part of helping us. And so there's some camaraderie and a relationship built that we thought was really, really valuable. Um, and so that was a huge blessing. Um, Marysville Parks team, they were all over the place around Marysville, but they put in over 240 hours, used 20 gallons of stain, 15 gallons of paint, 10 yards of bark, 12 yards of play chips. And then they also had nine volunteers not from the Grove Church, be a part of making all that happen, which we love that too. Um, our adults rocked one nano song, did the motions with the little kiddos yesterday during the barbecue. And I just want to say this, that was a fun moment, the music blaring, the kids are doing motions. But we actually had a kid that lives down the street see what was going on and was so moved by that moment that she had one of her family members bring her to the barbecue and go, hey, like, what's going on here and stuff. And she actually ended up talking with Diane Habis, one of our Grove Kids directors. And um, this girl was so moved that she was talking about spiritual things and Diane talked with her and she received Jesus right out here in our barbecue yesterday just because she was so moved. It was really, really cool. Um, the lunch, the, the food crew, I should say, did breakfast and lunch. 1,654 sandwiches were made um, by the lunch crew this week. 1,000, uh, excuse me, 1,000, 133 people served all five days of, of iHeart, which is awesome. Um, 493 total people um, registered and helped out um, uh, with iHeart, 460 pre-registered. Um, so that's cool. Tuesday, we had 282 people. Wednesday, 276. Thursday, 289. Friday, 290. And yesterday, 260 server or part of iHeart um, Nano, which is substantial. One of the things you need to know about, uh, about iHeart is that we have what's called iHeart Lite. And there are certain people that maybe you're not going to do wheelbarrows and paint and climb ladders and move stuff like that. But, but we create a, a team 
that does some projects right in this room where they're putting things together for the Marysville Food Bank or with the Tulalip Boys and Girls Club. And so I Heart Light, they made 225 gifts just with their hands um, for the Tulalip Boys and Girls Club. They, um, they blew up 100 balloons for the nano team, uh, the nano crew. They packaged 35 pounds of food for the food bank and they created and hid 58 toys in some of our local parks just for kids to find and enjoy and appreciate that that was kind of a fun experience. And so if you were a part of I Heart this year, um, I would love to have you just raise your hand real quick. I just want you to see all the different individuals. Just look around, raise your hands high, come on. Awesome. You guys did a great job. Now, let me end by saying this. We talk about this service being called Outreach Sunday, but here's the thing. This isn't necessarily about going across the world and being in Panama or being in the Dominican Republic or whatever. This isn't specifically about iHeart being a five-day outreach, you know, that happened Tuesday through Saturday and we're kind of done. I want us all to understand, and that's why I started with the words that Jesus had to say in Matthew 20, that the heart of God and the idea of outreach is really meant to be an everyday thing that wherever we go, that whatever we do, the goal is to shine the light of Christ no matter what. That whether, whether it's the fact that we're at a workplace and we're doing our work head down or whatever, that even still the attitude that we carry at our workplaces matters to those around us. That maybe you go on vacation and you're headed to Hawaii or you're headed to Fiji or you're headed to Africa or you're headed to wherever to go on vacation, that wherever you go, that even on vacation, that our lives matter for the glory of God. Can I hear an amen? And so I just want to challenge all of us that while on one hand, we can celebrate a Sunday and call it Outreach Sunday, and we can talk about these trips that happened and, and I heart that happened the last bunch of days, but we are called every single day to be followers of Jesus. And if we're followers of Jesus, it means that our lives are meant to live and to serve other people. Amen? Father, thank you. God, it's a little bit different day. God, I just want to look at, God, what you're doing and how you're rallying all of us to be part of a movement, God, that we're not just here to soak in spiritual things. That's great. We're not here, God, to check off a spiritual thing on our calendar, God. We're here to be built up that we can be sent out with that mission to shine your light. That, God, we talk about all the time, people say, I want to mature in my faith. I want to grow in my faith. That I believe a big part, Lord, of us maturing and growing is our heart growing towards this world that many of them don't yet know you. That, God, we want to shine your light. We want to help people see your love. And, God, if it means hauling mulch, if it means painting a building, if it means setting up a block party where kids get some face paint and some inflatable to slide down, by all means, God, we want to shine your light, whatever we do. Father, thank you that it's around the world and it's across the street. Help us live it out daily. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.